Crawford back at you with a long-awaited Excuse My Bias podcast, the one and only bias podcast show, but not the one and only because we all have biases, just different biases. Once again, it's your boy Jay Crawford. Got some special guests here in the building tonight for the first time we're doing Excuse My Bias with some guests. I'm going to let them go ahead and introduce themselves now. Yeah, yeah, yes, y'all. This is your boy, Big Money Cap, trying to go ahead and let my bias be shown. What's up? What's happening, man? It's your boy, the Wolf of Broad Street, coming in, man, ready to make it work. It's your boy, Profit, man. Let's uh, let's get this bias cracking. I want to know what y'all think. What's going on, man? It's your man, Keys, Keys to the Culture. Definitely going to be hella biased tonight, so let's go. All right, all right, let's do it. Well, look, since this is our first group session, we're going to let Keys be our moderator here. Keys, go ahead and break us off with the first topic. It's been longer wait. I ain't did a podcast in like six months, so we got to make this good. Let's go ahead and set them off with the first topic. All right. So the first topic we're going to get into, uh, I'm going to mix them around. We got a couple of topics tonight. We're just going to knock off the elephant in the room with the Kobe versus Jordan debate. We're going to start with Kobe versus Jordan off that. Okay, I know we've all I know we've all watched uh the first what four episodes now? Yeah. Four? Yeah. First four episodes of uh The Last Dance. And what have you let's start just start there. What do you guys think so far of what you've watched on the first four episodes? Well, with the first four episodes, I mean me, I've I have i studied the NBA all my life, but I studied the Bulls a lot too. So I knew a lot of the stories already. I didn't know how much Jerry Krause had kind of torpedoed the team at the end. But I also didn't know he had that much influence on the construction of the team. Like, you know, looking back at it, that trade Charles Oakley for Bill Cartwright was a hell of a move. Even though Charles Oakley was a bruiser, Bill Cartwright was coming off all-star season. So that was kind of a steal. He got John Paxson from the Spurs for nothing. Mm-hmm. He got Scottie Pippen out of no uh, nowhere, goddamn school, and got him with a slick ass trade for Odin Polonies. Does anybody know him? Yeah, actually, so, yes, yes. I actually taught him how to do layups. It's funny you mentioned him. <laughs> <laughs> so that Jerry Cross part really is it built on. I knew I, every. I think most all of us knew the Jordan story because you hear it so much. And you know Pippa's story and Phil, but Jerry Krause's story was the biggest takeaway so far. But we got what uh it's, it's a ten part, so we got six more episodes to go. But that's my first biggest take. Uh what you got, Cap? Well, uh me, you know, I'm, I'm one thing you gotta know about me, I'm big on uh like documentaries, that's very big to me, especially sports documentaries. So I find everything that's being done thus far has been fantastic. Uh, like you, John, I'm shooting the game. So this is stuff more so that I, I had knowledge on. But I will say that it does look good, at least to me, on like on Jordan's part, because this makes him a lot more personable than, you know, the curmudgeon that we're used to seeing as far as that mm. person who wears, uh, you know, Calkin eyes to the front row. And mm. the, the guy mm. we're used to. This this definitely to me, I think, puts Jordan in a whole nother light. Uh Jerry Cross, we know, you know, he was a shrewd guy. But hey, he he, he constructed a dynasty, whether we want to, you know, admit it or not. 
the, the Dennis episode, I was actually really intrigued on because I just finished watching the Dennis Rodman for better or worse. So mm-hmm. I really just put everything and tied everything together. But I think uh, so far, everything is there. Mm. Josh? I, I think it's interesting, man. Watching this, I think it really answers a lot of questions for those who are paying attention because this this is allowing people to watch some of those games and see some of those moments that they remember seeing as kids that they probably haven't rewatched since then. And it shows how human Jordan was in the sense that he didn't do it by himself. And I know we're talking about Kobe and Jordan, but it's interesting because now I feel like people can rightfully look at him and see how he had help just like, you know, somebody that we currently call the goat of the game gets help and who gets a lot of scrutiny for the things that he does. And in uh, some cases, uh, Jordan had a lot of the same. That's just my, you know, perspective. Okay, okay. And, I mean, I'll say my sentiments is about the same as a lot of you guys. Same thing, growing up, being a basketball head my whole life. I grew up on Jordan. I was a Bulls fan before I really discovered like who's my team in basketball? Likewise, likewise, we, you know, like we all did. So no, nah, nah, y'all, y'all were Bulls fans. I was a Knicks fan, and he killed me. <laughs> yeah, I'm with Cap. I, I, I was anti-Bulls. I was anybody but Bulls. He killed I me. Bulls. I mean, I was a Bull. I've always been a Laker fan, but I was also intrigued by the man. Laker let me tell you something. I was born in California. I was a Michael Jordan fan up until he retired, and then I, I found Miami when I found D Wade. You know. That's that's what that But I will say the documentary, if and just tying it into the Kobe and Jordan thing, if you've ever watched um, Kobe's Muse uh, documentary, yes, mm-hmm. and you watch that as you're watching, like you know, just thinking back on it as you watch this, that that Muse interview showed the human side of Kobe, which mm-hmm. a lot of people know up until up until he probably retired, he was. Similar to Jordan, when it came to interviews, when it came to the way he he walked in his everyday life, he was he was secluded. You rarely saw a Kobe interview during the season, during his playing career. And I think what we're watching in these four, not more say with LeBron, but more with Kobe. You start to see the similarities between the two, and how you can tell Kobe really studied and watched Jordan as he was growing up. I mean, the same as, you know, LeBron did also. Mm. But that, they're similar. It's more the comparison with those two than it would it be with Jordan and uh, LeBron. Just because when they played the same position, they're the same height, same size, their games were so similar. So I think so far it's been good. The Dennis Rodman episode, of course, is my best, my favorite so far. Because uh, Rodman is the man. I don't care what nobody say. Hey man, he had Biblical Fox and Tony Braxton, man. Hey, 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 hey. Don't forget Carmelo Electro. Anytime <laughs> you can say that Birdman has your leftovers. Birdman. It's deep. But, 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 hold, but hold the phone. Let's, let's say something about Tony Braxton. She had to deal with Birdman and Dennis Rodman in, in her life. Uh, God bless her. Give her her flowers, too. <laughs> you need to change the language on that. She didn't have to deal with them. She chose to. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Also, thank you. also fair. So, but what do you, um, when it comes down to the Kobe Jordan comparison, what are your thoughts on it, uh, guys? Like, what do you, how, how do you really rank that one, two when it comes to them? Yeah, and, and for me, I've, I was the one that kind of brought up this as a, I thought it'd be a good topic. I, I've actually been back and forth on it. 
Um, I know kind of the consensus is is Jordan, especially if you watch, you know, debate shows. But the reason why I discredit so many of the other debate shows is every every fucking sportscaster on there covered Jordan. So they got biases to Jordan, whether they want to admit it or not. Everybody on there, Skip Bayless, Stephen A., Michael Wilbon, you know, Tony Cohen, every every sportscaster you think of, they either worked in Chicago or in Washington, or they have some type of tie to Michael that was going to hold him. I guess they're going to hold some loyalty to him. So their opinion is biased, but they want to say that. For me, I always said it was Jordan, but I have been back and forth on it. This is why I've been back and forth. Kobe, during his career, has had to face a level of talent at his position that Jordan never had to face. Mm, at his position, Jordan, his biggest competition was really Mitch Richmond, if you're talking about all-around shooting guards. Mitch uh, Richmond was 6'6". Six, six. But Mitch, Mitch Richmond, he was 6'6", six, six, he was stocky, he could shoot, he could post. Reggie was cool, but Reggie How about to say Reggie? Cool. I'm about to say but, Reggie. But he couldn't really do anything off the bounce. He never played his own shot. He was the guy who played off the ball. And Clyde was the guy who played in transition more. If you got him in half court, he really wasn't the same guy. Mm. So, if conversely, you look at Kobe, he went against Ray Allen, Vince Carter, Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, young LeBron, young KD, young Melo, D-Wade. Yeah. And and he played in an era where he played against more longer and athletic defenders. And he played in a zone era where Judge played in hand checking, which is cool. But Kobe made a quote himself. He said, I would rather go against a zone any day versus hand check. I mean, I'd rather go against hand checking than a zone any day. Because it's harder for me to beat you when you already got a guy right behind you to help. I can get your hands off me all day. I can push you like Jordan did. But if you're yep. double teaming me from the jump, it's harder for me to score. So I think about Tayshawn Prince. Jordan never really played against a guy like Tayshawn Prince. Tayshawn Prince did a hell of a job on Kobe in the finals. I, it, it makes me think, what would, have, what would Jordan have done versus a Tayshawn Prince at 16 with a 7-4 wingspan? Does, does he still shoot 50%? I don't know. So ultimately, I still may give Jordan the edge. But I, I think it's way closer than what people think. The only reason I really give Jordan edge is I believe he's a slightly better passer. He's a slightly better rebounder. And he's a slightly better defender and athlete. Jordan, I think Jordan, people forget how fast he was based on the baseline. He was just a fucking blur. And I think his, his vertical was a little bit more. That's really it, though. But I think it's, it's very slim. And the competition argument almost makes me want to give it to Kobe. But I'm gonna keep a slight edge today for Jordan. But Kobe's okay. right there. Okay, okay. Uh Cap, how you how you feel? I'm like this real simple. Uh last time I checked, you never the only time the sequel has ever been better than the original is the Godfather 2. It's always gonna be Michael Jordan. And, mm. and as far as my opinion on that is hey, impact to the game is really something that's big with me. Two, I'm very big on defense. Seeing that as a ball player, that's one of the few things I'm actually good at. Uh, so I really value <laughs> defense a lot. Uh, Jordan, to me, I feel is doesn't get enough credit. 
despite you know all these uh, all defensive teams and being a defensive player of the year, uh, does not to me get enough credit when it comes to defense. So don't get me wrong, Kobe is right up there in uh, you know that upper echelon, that upper crust of the Mount Rushmore, the goats, the greats when it comes to basketball. Because trust me, there will never be another Kobe being Bryant as long as we live. And uh, God rest his soul, he put on a uh, you know tremendous performances. And you're right, John. He had uh, talent like you wouldn't believe. Uh, he, he went against talent <laughs> that you wouldn't believe. Ray Allen of the world, uh, so on and so forth. Things uh, like that. Reggie Miller, all those cats. Jordan did too, uh, but to a small, you know, to a degree. He got Reggie Miller as he was going into his prime and of course Ray Allen early uh, with a few others but to me just by <coughs> watching the game since 92 it's always I haven't seen anybody that's going to overtake that dope conversation to me but if it is somebody it would have been LeBron and not Kobe that disrespect to Kobe but I just won't ever put him above my figure Right and, and Josh, how you feel? Um, honestly, when it comes to this argument, um, I, I look at it from a different perspective, kind of caveating off of what Cap said. Um, I feel like Michael Jordan is always gonna, he's the one who originated a lot of what you see in Kobe, and Kobe being understudy had time to perfect it, and that made him, you know, a reason that he's a part of this conversation, uh, and a part of what John said due to the talent. You can look at that and say that's the reason why, you know, Kobe stopped a ring short of Jordan to match him in, you know what I'm saying, in that debate. But <clears throat> as far as uh, who's better, like I said, I- I'm going to always give the credit to Jordan because, you know, yeah, he looked at Dr. J and how Dr. J did things, but you can't look at a Dr. J highlight tape and be like, yo, like this is a carbon copy of what you see in Michael Jordan because he took it to the next level and he elevated the game. Uh, in a way that at the time, you know, you had Magic, you had Bird, you, you know, you had Elijah one, you had guys out there, but at the same time, they weren't doing things to the to the dynamic that Michael was and turning around a franchise and, and making, you know, basketball not just an, an American thing to enjoy, but globally. You saw when he went to Paris. It was it was insane. My man was Pepe Le Pew, you know. <laughs> with a basketball, you know, he was out there joint getting it in. I ain't never seen a black dude with one of them hats on with little tips at the top. He don't even paint. He don't even paint, but he be in the paint. That's the point. So, you know. <laughs> Hold on, like you say you won't wear a beret? Uh, who, me? Yeah. <laughs> I, I own a beret, guys. I just want to put this out there. He, I, I own you, a beret. you are the only person in here that I think would own a beret. You probably got a pair of brunch boots to match. I don't judge. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I'm not gonna, not gonna comment on that, but I might have a pair of Tommy Hilfiger brushes. Hey, we're not gonna talk. We're about not, because you know what? I'm gonna go with Jordan. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Jordan. Like I said, for those reasons that I just gave, and then you know, like I said, I truly believe if you take Jordan out of the equation of basketball, what would you get from Kobe Bryant? And I think that answers the question. I, I got a counter to that, but I'm gonna let Keys go first. No, no, no. Go right ahead. Go, go ahead. I... Well, this is what I would say too. Yes, Jordan was first, but everything that was first isn't necessarily better. Mm-hmm. And we seem to do that only with Jordan. We don't do that with any of his predecessors either. So 
that's one. Two, the globalization of the game is a big part of George's legacy. But I think that's also a big part of David Stern's legacy. So I'm going to give y'all a little quick history lesson. I ain't going to take up too much time. But in the 70s, the NBA was known for more hippies. It was a lot of drug use. That's why they would have divided, you know, still with uh, segregation between the ABA and NBA. So when they came together in the 80s, David Stern had the marketing idea. At this point, the only way I could get middle white America to really be interested in the NBA, I have to create a white team and I have to create a black team. Boston Celtics mm-hmm. was the white team. They only had two brothers on the team, Dennis Johnson and Robert Parrish. Yep. The Lakers had to put a black team. They only had one white guy on there, Kurt Randall. So you picked your squad, your squad, and that introduced Middle America to the NBA, where they could easily pick a side without it being a clear <laughs> racial thing, and they could be entertained because it was talent on both sides. Now, in 1987, that was the last year the Celtics played the Lakers. David Stern is a smart guy. I don't know if you've seen his documentary or read his book, but he's a marketing genius. So he knew the next team up is the Detroit Pistons. That shit don't sell so much as Boston versus L.A. So I got to figure out another way to sell this shit to middle America because really in 1987, Detroit should have been in the finals. Isaiah just threw the ball away to Larry Bird on the last damn play. If he don't do that, then Detroit is in the finals then four straight times. So Detroit was right there. David Stern knew what was happening. So he said, well, shit, I got to stop promoting players. And I'm going to start breaking up teams and expanding the league. So from 88 to 92, they added 16. But the 88 to 90, um, 95, excuse me. They added 16. So they added 72 more players who couldn't make the league, and you dilute the good teams who had a lot of talent on them. Also mm-hmm. in 88, he said, let me put the All-Star game in Chicago. Because guess who plays in Chicago? Michael fucking Jordan. I'm going to give him the slam dunk contest, which he didn't deserve over Dominique. He got defensive player of the year, which is cool. If you want to give Michael Jordan defensive player of the year, that's cool. But if you really look at that year, he wasn't defensively greater that year than he was in any other year in his career. But mm-hmm. they chose that year to give it to him. You could have gave it to Mark Eaton, who averaged four blocks in 12 rebounds a game. Or you could have gave it to Akeem Olajuwon, who averaged three blocks, 12 rebounds, and two, and two steals a game. Right. So you could have gave it to other guys, which they did every other year. But for that year, they wanted to give it to Mike for some reason. So let's just, let's just keep that in mind. It wasn't as coincidence. They decided to give that one to Michael for that year. Because you could have gave it to him in 91. You could have gave it to him in 89. You could have gave it to him any other fucking year. But he decided to give it to him that year. The year he knew Boston was not going to make the finals anymore. Because they were already on their last leg. Then you gave Michael every other fucking award. You gave him MVP and All-Star MVP. So now, and you had the Joy 3s come out, which were the most popular shoes at that time. So that made the game more global. Because you had a guy who was an athletic phenom who could do all these things that nobody else in the league could do. <clears throat> now, bring that full circle as far as the legacy versus Jordan versus Kobe, it's not really fair to say, well, Jordan did it first, so that makes him better. Because if Jordan's not in that predicament, say Kobe goes to North Carolina for Dean Smith for three years. He doesn't learn how to play the game just like that. Kobe basically got his education on the job at 18 throughout the league. 
So if he gets to do that in private with Dean Smith in North Carolina, he doesn't end up being just as good. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can say that. So I think a lot of the stuff we do is a lot of legacy, myth- mythological shit that people don't really dive too deep into. That I think takes away from their ability to judge one player versus another. But I'll let you go ahead okay. and just, just go ahead. That just, that just my little well, thing I'm- I throw on there. I'm going to piggyback off of that end part that you were saying about uh, Kobe going to to North Carolina with Dean Smith. Now, I think we've all watched the Knuckleheads interview with him. I probably watched it like a million times because right. my bias is I am a major Kobe fan. So, But I'm not going to be biased on this topic, though. Um, I do have some numbers that I want to give you guys just to show the comparison. But Kobe even said himself uh, when they were talking about the Kobe-Jordan comparison a little bit. Uh, and you know they were asking him would his career have been different had he went to North Carolina uh, possibly if that's where he was going to go with Dean Smith or or if he would have went to Duke with uh, Coach K um, and they asked him that in that interview and even he himself said you know you could never know because he got on the job you know experience from coming out of high school going straight into the NBA um, one of the things they were talking about was just the difference just with them three that were sitting there between when they came in the league and when players are coming in the league now. Same thing as when Jordan came in the league compared to when Kobe came in. Jordan came in, like they said, in the first part of that documentary. Nobody thought he was going to be anything because at that time, if you weren't, what, six, eight and higher? Yeah, about six, eight and up. You really won't dominate or doing anything in the league. And he came in and changed everything. That's where the debate between him, LeBron, and Kobe are different because Jordan comes into the league and changes the entire game of basketball. He starts doing things that no other player was doing at the time and dominating in a sport where only big men dominated. Kobe came in and it wasn't the same. Of course, we all know Kobe first year wasn't too... Kobe really didn't start being Kobe until about year year three. Mm-hmm. So Keys, let me that let me ask thing. you this. So I don't because I might have missed your answer. So so who did you choose between the two? Oh, I was getting into that. I just okay. No, I, I had uh, my headset disconnected for a sec, so I came in. I didn't know if you already said it. Oh no, no, no not yet, not yet. Um, so just even with that, is it, it was just a huge difference between. Just those two. Um, I'll even throw LeBron into this for a split second because I, I I don't like to bring him into this conversation at all personally. I don't. But LeBron came in the league and he changed the league a little bit. He, for a player his size, we haven't seen a player his size do what he was doing since Magic, if you honestly think about it. Nobody before him, his size, his position, his skill set was playing the way that they were before Magic. Magic was a 6'8 point guard. Dom, like, coming down the lane, killing. Like, you you know, like you guys said, Kobe was more or less of, and he'll even, he's even said it, he was more of a, a, a Jordan student. He was little Jordan because his game was exactly like, if you put the jump shots next to each other, the dribbling, the half court just standing there on their knee, like with the hands on their knees, chewing the gum. The man, all the mannerisms <clears throat> were Jordan. That's who he wanted to be. So 
Um, before I tell you who I think is better, I'm going to just give you guys some numbers. So Jordan's career points, rebounds, and assists, right? His career points was 30.1 when he finished. And this is after the Washington. So this is including the Washington. 14 years, 30.1 points he averaged, 6.2 rebounds, and 5.3 assists. Kobe, after 19 years, now you do have to factor in that extra five years. It does, you know, we all know math. It does kind of dilute the numbers a smidge. But Kobe's final numbers were 25 points a game, 5.2 rebounds, and 4.7 assists. <clears throat> For me, Jordan is always going to be number one. I'm going to just say that. Kobe's always going to be two, and I have slid LeBron into that three um, as of now. Now, LeBron, when he's done, may surpass what I feel and might slide into that two into that two spot, but Jordan, to me, is always going to have that one. The only way I can see LeBron passing that is if his his final career numbers are higher and he ends with at least uh, at least seven. Seven, maybe eight championships at the end. That puts him into that number one position. Seven but championships? Off, Goddamn. He, for me, for him to be number... I'm going to be honest, though. For him to be number one, it... And that goes into another topic that we can get into right after this. I like how I've been getting into that. Um, it, it, it has to be the championships for him. For him personally to be in that number one, even for Kobe at the time, for Kobe to slide into that number one, a lot of people say it's the championships that keep Jordan at that number one. That 6-5. For LeBron, it, it's got to be that 7 or 8 to even uh, get him I, I don't agree to with that the championship point. jump, but I'm, I'm going to let somebody else go in first before I, I get my... So, I think this is a perfect caveat for that next topic to, for the championships. Uh, quite. And that's, and that's where it comes in because... <laughs> and I'll, I'll kind of start this one since I'm kind of there already. I just feel like the championships do matter when it comes to certain people. Yeah, yeah. it does. Because at the end of the day, Robert Ory got more than everybody. And we can say Robert Ory is go to basketball. <laughs> if you want to be honest, Robert Ory got, I mean, him and Robert Parrish, they up there. But Robert Ory was a, a mean-ass role player, not a star, a mean-ass role player that played his role and got his championships. But when it comes to that Kobe, LeBron, Jordan debate, it's always going to be the championships. We can never put Carmelo Anthony into that discussion. You can never put Patrick Ewan in that discussion. You can never put Charles Barkley in that discussion because there's no championships. So that's just my, so, my opinion. Championships. I, I, yeah, let, let's 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 go in reverse order. So go ahead, Josh. You go ahead. I believe it's very much circumstantial. Um, and the reason why I say that is because you can't you can't use championships like he said to compare all players. If you're talking about um, a player's success in his career, we can talk about championships because ultimately the success of your career is based on the teams you play with. And you can go off of personal statistics, but I think when you get more into personal statistics, you're, you're, you're looking more at the GOAT conversation versus a career conversation. And if you're talking about GOAT talk, GOAT talk comes with championships because if you're a GOAT, you're automatically going to have the skills. You're, you're going to be looked at as some type of skilled player. So the next question is, are you the type of skilled player that can go to the next tier and win something for a team? Because unlike football, basketball can be 
it can be something ran through one person if need be. Now, it's best done through multiple players being on the court, but you can run an offense through one person, which you can't do that with all sports. So I believe when it comes to basketball, championships is a circumstantial conversation because it depends on the conversation that you're you're having. Like you said, you're talking about success, you can talk about uh, Robert Ory, but if you want to talk about GOAT talk, okay, well, LeBron doesn't have as many rings as Jordan, either does Kobe, but that doesn't necessarily make him less than or equal to, because at that point, you know, you're talking about inches and millimeters at that point, because, you know, they're all great in their own respect. Well, when it comes down to championships, it's it's hard for me to gauge because I, I do agree with you all. You guys were hit it on the head. We do uh, make the championship argument substantial. Uh, we shouldn't. At the end of the day, if we're doing that, Bill Russell is the unquestioned goat. And I don't want to hear anything else. But that's not the case because yep. and when we talk, we Very talk much about. So. Oh, but no one says he's the goat. And no one says. And, and, I, and I would say he is. I've always said he's, in my opinion, if we're not breaking down position and we're just saying overall players in the NBA, Jordan might be my number three. I've always had Rob, um, uh, Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain in that one, too. Kareem, Kareem is, to me, overall, as far as what he did in, in leaving his mark with just one thing, the skyhook, left with the most point, mm-hmm. had six championships, had one more MVP than Mike did. So, to me, Kareem, and did it all in goggles. Hey. Oh, in the goggles. Well, late Kareem did, but late Kareem won that title in, Lou Alcindor won that title in Milwaukee. Takes away anything that anybody else would do until LeBron bought the title to Cleveland. So there, there's so mm-hmm. many different ways that you can go on, and I'm glad we, you know, have a nuanced discussion about that particular thing. But rings, it's 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 funny how we do bring it up. Three and six is all we can say to detract LeBron, but we romanticize LeBron, uh, Michael Jordan's six for six, and you know, not to realize he still played seven other seasons that we need to go ahead and put into some kind of consideration. But at the end of the day. Uh, I can understand why somebody would say, hey, six is better than five. Just like, you know, Mike definitely always said uh, five was better than one when comparing to uh, LeBron and Kobe. But Kobe, again, when it comes to as far as the, the GOAT thing, if you're almost a mirror image of somebody you were trying to idolize, it ultimately just disqualifies him from being a considered a GOAT. But my he's definitely up there as far as like some of Mount Rushmore or high up in there when it comes to the basketball conversation who's the GOAT or who, I mean who's the great of the game like a Kareem like uh, Russell I mean he's he's top five I Un- mean in my opinion that's a, a, a definitely definitely top five and I would have LeBron somewhere in that six to ten and him moving closer to the five um, I would have Wilt Chamberlain, Bill, uh, Bill Russell, Kareem, Jordan, and Kobe would be mine. Shaq probably would be right there at that six. But I've had I had a debate on Facebook the other day. Not really a debate, but someone asked a question about Tim Duncan and where would you put Tim Duncan as your greatest Top of 10. all time and greatest power forwards of all the time. Greatest power forward. And 
I would say he's number one with Dirk Nowitzki and Carl Malone at a two-three. In my opinion, they can they alternate that two-three with me. Tim Duncan, low key, um, is in is sneaking into the top five for, for me. I think he's okay. underrated. But to, to go back to the rings discussion that we brought up, um, just for all y'all out there who uh, missed the the topic, the the topic is how much credit should stars get for championships. And the reason that I disagree totally with the ring counting argument is like like Josh said, the, the rings are, are circumstantial in a very large part. And I can give it to you an example like this. If you played on your um oh let's 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 take for example if Ten of us were playing, and we all were good players, but one of us was the best player, clearly. If we put the five other best players on the team versus the guy with the, who was the best player, he had the four worst remaining players, the team with the other five players could very easily win, but that doesn't make them better than that guy who lost. Mm. Will Chamberlain like, you put him in your top two keys. Well, Chamberlain has two rings. Correct. No one thinks Bill Russell, no one with, with I, I would say this, no one with a real basketball instinct thinks Bill Russell is better than Will Chamberlain. Bill Russell played with seven mm-hmm. other Hall of Famers. You can't name one of Will's teammates until he got to the West. If you can, please name him. Because I, I would love to see him. He played with Dr. J when he was in Philly. No, but, no but, Will retired long before Dr. J came. Dr. Was it was it that far before? Yeah, yeah he did play with Moses. You're yeah, right. Will, you're right. Will, you're right. Will you're right. Will retired long before then. Will retired like seventy three. You're right. Um, but before Jerry West and Elgin Baylor and Gail Goodrich with the Lakers, he had no teammates. That's why he. That's why he had to love. He played in San Francisco and in Philadelphia. Yep. He won nothing, but he was getting there every year. But just numbers yeah, were there. But just think about it, like if, just think about it. If, if us four go in a fight and I'm the best fighter, but all y'all jump on me, how that doesn't make me a worse fighter now because I got jumped and because I lost because people. Hey, bro, you trash. Depends on what my hands are. Yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, I I box. I'm just saying, I I do what I do. You got to remember with Wilt also, it it was just kind of the same thing with Wilt like it was with Jordan. When Wilt was in the league, there was nobody else his height. Right. There was nobody else his size. Um, Bill Russell wasn't there yet. So you he didn't have anybody else that could... It's like putting Shaq in that time frame and just dominating. And there was nobody to... Like he, like you said, he had no teammates. But for him personally, he was his numbers were amazing. He was leading the league in assists and rebounds right. and points consistently. But like you said, he was getting to the championships and losing because he but had that, no But team. that goes against my point to the ring. So people would say, well, Russell got 11 rings, Wolf got two. But clearly, if you had to pick one player to start a team with to play a game with your life on the line, I'm choosing Wolf every time. It's not even close to yes, choosing sir. Bill Russell. And, 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 so I don't get how you can just do the ring counting. And another, another way to spin that off, too, is in 1988 and 89, every player in the league said Michael Jordan was the best player in the league. But Detroit won the championships. So if you're saying Michael Jordan was the best player in the league 
from 85 to 90 and he didn't have any rings? How does that discredit him from being one of the greatest of all time or the GOAT when other teams beat him? Those other teams were better. Their teams were better. And I think that's and I think that's where that LeBron debate comes in because everybody says you discredit LeBron for the years that he lost, but nobody talks about the years that Jordan got knocked out in the first round, the second round, the conference finals. Nobody talks about those years, but when it comes to LeBron, he's highly scrutinized for those years of losing in the first round. Lo- not just well, he, losing he never in the lost finals. In the first round. That's the thing. LeBron's never lost in the first round. But, but with Kobe, go ahead, Cap. No, I was gonna. I was gonna say it's it, it's skewed. The the discussion is always gonna be skewed as far as how you you look at it, because you gotta also think here. So with Bill Russell, you're exactly right. He played with Hall of Famer, but that doesn't mean that Bill Russell's trash. It just means that we happened to go to a great situation that Red Auerbach created and had him in position oh. to be able to have good teammates. It, it goes to the situation where you did just bring up the Detroit Pistons won the 88-89 uh, title. Because uh, the 87-88 title was won by the Lakers. But the 88-89 title was won by the, uh, the Pistons. They're mm-hmm. a great team. Outside of Zeke, there isn't nobody else I'd probably even want to have put on another team. Not Mark Aguirre, not Bill Lambeer, barely Dumas. I don't know, Bill Lambeer. Uh, Mark Aguirre was like, I'll take Dumas. But, but at the end of the day, that, uh, Vinny Johnson, Mike Way, uh, show, you know, definitely want to show love to him. But you got to then look at it the same vein of the fact that you have somebody like as great as Dirk Nowitzki that Keys brought up. Didn't get over the hump until he had a hell of a collective around him. As far as having Jason Kidd's leadership and Tyson Chandler in the middle, they won the title. And I, and even with that one, to be honest, Miami had a way better team. They choked, but just called they, they choked. But exactly, so they choked. They choked because they had a they they had a way better team than that. I would compare that Mavericks team. Maybe to in in I don't know if y'all would feel this to that LeBron team that got to the finals against the Spurs. Nah, I would nah, put I would nah, I, I would nah. Nah, they were way better. Only, only because I'm gonna say the this. leadership of Pete of Kid. Yeah. I'm gonna say this, man. When it comes to, and in my opinion, like I said, when it comes to these teams, you always are gonna have teams that tend to get big or have a big roster. And I feel like it doesn't always start, uh, you know, just from them drafting. I think it happens because you have one player that they're trying to build around and then they have that talent that comes around. Look at how Golden State did it, you know what I'm saying? It wasn't like they just dra- they, they went out in a free agency and got a bunch of talent out of nowhere, you know what I'm saying? A lot of their talent was generic, you know what I'm saying? It's something you don't see in the league a lot of times right now. And, you know, they had, you know, they had a system that was that was able to groom players and to their best of their potential for the league that was there. You know what I mean? And I think when like what John is saying, you got a system like that that's organic, that works, it's gonna beat somebody that has raw talent because at the end of the day, a, a full team is gonna beat an individual all day long. Uh, so that's just where I'm at with it. But for the sake of time, what was our next topic? Ah, yes. Uh, so we are. All right, so this one is 
around. All right, so best small guard between Allen Iverson and Isaiah Thomas. The original Isaiah Thomas, not the not the new one. <laughs> <laughs> Zeke. So uh I'm gonna let you guys go in yeah. on this one. Well that one the reason I, I, I thought about that one is because I actually just saw Stephen A early this morning kind of flip-flop on this whole debate, which I'm, it's, mm-hmm. it's fine. You can change your mind, but it just made it interesting to me to think about because Stephen A covered Allen Iverson, so he religiously, for most of his career, said Allen Iverson was the best small guard ever. Mm-hmm. However, ever since this whole last dance thing with Isaiah came out and they had Isaiah on the show, he kind of flipped it and said, well, no, Isaiah is the best small guard that's what of he, all time. He does that. He does right, that exactly. Well, that's what it's ESPN. Um, he said they have the the piece that Isaiah was the best small guard of all time, and he 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 mentioned it because he talked about the two rings. That's that that goes back to the previous statement of the previous topic of how much does rings really matter. And the reason I I, I thought this was a good spinoff of that question as well was not because of just him flip flopping on the debate, but because I could easily say if I put Allen Iverson on those. Detroit bad boys teams, they don't win championships. I mean, I, I oh, they definitely the do. finals with Matumbo and Aaron, Aaron McKee. I was just about to bring that up. And he lost to the prime Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> and he was the only team in that playoffs to even give them a loss. They were 16 and 1. And the one loss was with. But I'll say the. I'll say putting him on that team, though, on that Pistons team, the difference between him and Zeke is Zeke was a yes. point guard. He was more. He was a guard that passed before scored. Iverson is a score before pass. So who's going to be the who's the guard? And on I was that just team about to say that. True, but the they had a three guard system because Isaiah was the point guard, but Isaiah took the most shots in the team. Joe Dumas could have easily mm. ran point guard for that team, right. easily, and let I and let Iverson come off screens and be the and be the score. But back back to the point of them two comparing. To me, I got Chuck. I, I got. I, I mean, I love Zeke, but I got Chuck as the best Ooh. small guard ever. I mean, Iverson literally could not be guarded by anyone. They changed the rules for this guy. You know, get me wrong. They changed rules for uh, Isaiah and them as well. But that was, to me, that was more of them as a collective than him as an individual. And I, I will kind of. I'm gonna keep this one short because I got one more topic in. But. To, to point it off, I would give it to, to uh, Iverson is, give it to Chuck is, Chuck played in a hand-checking era. How many times was, was Al Iverson hand-checked? That's true. I, don't, I mean, I'm just saying, everybody said hand-checking era was the hardest ever to score and to, and to play in. How many times was Al Iverson hand-checked? You couldn't put a hand on him. Two hand-checking. Yeah. He was breaking you off. Iverson was a... Every time. He was something different. He was definitely something different when he came in. Also, just not just his speed, but his handles. I mean, you had a lot of guards who had handles before uh, Iverson came but in. Not with that combination, um, but not not the way he came in around that that and one era. He was he was he, before he, was, he was more or less. The, he was actually to be the reason the and one era Sorry, even that's started. Why he's the answer. He is if you really think about it, um, yeah, this a, man yeah, like had a commercial he, with Jada Kiss. Nobody in the NBA did a commercial <laughs> with the locks. It's a lot, son. Come on, man. <laughs> Go ahead, Cap. <laughs> I mean, how, how can you top that? But, uh, but, but I will say that 
definitely when it comes to a better best ball player, I'm going to give it to AI. Just watching him more thoroughly, I will say. Um, I had to archive most of the stuff that I've had to see of Zeke outside of the, the, the time that I did get to see him. He was a shell of himself, so to speak. Uh, but with, when it comes to growing up, watching AI and also getting to hear his story a lot, being now in Virginia or, or when I got to Virginia, that's all I heard about. Uh, I just think overall, the skill, aspect, AI. Now, would he have changed the Pistons in the 80s? Oh, no. They would be what he has right now, no ring. And there's a reason why he has no ring. And most of it, obviously, is his own doing. But I'm going to go ahead and also state that, yeah, he did drag a pretty much... Uh, no, well, I'll take that back. He, he bought the best defensive team to the NBA Finals, but that's all they had. Mm-hmm. Uh they were number one in defense at the time of, uh, of them going to the NBA Finals. But, again, that's going to always be the stigma against AI is that he didn't end up getting that ring, and it's going to be unfortunate to him. That's why a lot of probably old heads have picked somebody like Isaiah Thomas. And don't get me wrong, Isaiah could ball, but there's not too many that could ball like Chuck. Hey, Isaiah, Isaiah John, played with, with two other Hall of Famers, damn near three with Lambeer. Iverson just had me. So, so what you're like, saying is hey, that Eric Snow is not going to uh, Springfield? Is that what you said? Eric Snow is not going to Springfield? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> okay. No, Todd McCullough and uh, Matt Geiger, uh, Tyrone Hill. They're, Ooh, no, they're, they're, they're not going to go to – no, no. Okay. No. Tyrone Hill. No, no. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not going to Springfield. No, no. Okay. Joe's there. Jumar's huh. there. Rodman's there. You know, Lambeer is about to be there because he's about to get in as a coach. Lambeer, I'm about to say he should have been there, but I think the coaching is. Yeah, so that I mean, I'm well, just saying. The, the thing about the Hall, Hall of Fame, Fame on that team. The, the, the thing about the Hall of Fame, and that's just going to all sports, not just choosing basketball, is uh, how you are with the media. And Lambeer is a dickhead, and he's a dickhead with everybody. Ooh. So that's just that's just mm-hmm. what it is. It's, it's it's what kept To out of the Hall of Fame for three years, knowing that he was the best. Or second best wide receiver, uh, all all time. So yeah, we we, we gonna we gonna say sure. that receiver conversation. We got we got we got time. All I'm yeah, gonna we, say we quarantine. We quarantine. We got. I'm about to say we 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 just want to get these ones in because Josh has the Josh, yeah Josh okay. got to go at ten. But we can continue. I after apologize. Falls off, but no, with some different because there's some topics. No, 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 there's some right. topics that I want to get to before I get off of this. Y'all already know which one of those that is. But uh, let's jump. Right uh, but um. Before we do get to that topic, as far as this, I got Allen Iverson. Y'all tripping. I guess y'all thinking that Rajah Bell was just going to take this nigga to, to, to the ranks. But uh, it's, I'm just going to say, Chuck had to go out here, like John said, and do it with my man Matumbo. He really didn't have no other help outside of that. Because you know what? If you really want to talk about it, when people talk about the Pistons getting the rings, they don't say that Isaiah did it. But when they talk about this nigga beating the Lakers, they say that this nigga gave us the answer to the Lakers, that he beat the Lakers. So, I mean, just in terms of pure, um, you know, capability of overcoming and being able to take his team, I believe that he was held back severely by the lack of help that he had. And had he been on a team like the Pistons, he would have absolutely had a ring had a much better talked about legacy he probably wouldn't have ended up in Denver that's just my perspective hey just just real quick he went to the Western Conference Finals in six games with the Lakers when he was with Melo late in his career if he got with Melo early in his career just saying 
or a hoodie melon. I, I, I do have one True. quick question though, just real quick topic, and we can just brush right through it. Uh, what do you guys feel about this Chuck, uh, the Charles Barkley rather Draymond Green beef? Is there any? Is this big deal, little deal, Chuck? Uh, big no deal, deal, but we're gonna save that. Cool. Bet. All right. I got a lot. To say. All right. So, all right. Hold on. So the the the, the Chuck versus Zeke. I'm I'm a little different, man. I, I hear all three of you and your argument for Iverson. It's it's hard, man, because I'm I'm be growing up in Virginia, kind of being back and forth between Virginia and Florida. But I've seen Iverson in high school when Bethel played Howell, and my God, the man even in high school was crazy. Georgetown. My dad was. Um, friends with uh, the coaches at Georgetown. So being able to go to the practices and watch Iverson before the league was crazy. I just think again, with me, different eras, different times, different skill sets. It's hard really to, it's really hard to say who is better because I feel like you could put Isaiah on that 76ers scene and they might beat the Lakers. Nah, I don't. Because you have a better point guard that can dish the rock and 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 yeah, nobody had to shoot. compared there because you had what John I mean I'm not John uh, Eric Snow running the point compared to I Eric Snow at the two mm-hmm. and now you got Zeke at mm-hmm. the one it it changes that team to me or even if you take Eric Snow and put him on the bench you still got Aaron McKee mm-hmm. at the two it just it <laughs> changes that team a little bit. I'm just saying you it when you be locking his ass. Guard, <laughs> Kobe locking Aaron McKee ass up. He threw that nigga the ball. But, <laughs> he locking that shit down. Which is true. But you still have that. You still got that point guard that can really. What Zeke was doing. You have somebody who can really get in and out of the defense. And really scoring and dish the rock. So to me it's a little different. And like you said. You put Iverson on that Detroit Pistons team. Jordan beats them. In my opinion. Jordan, I think I think Jordan beats them and gets to the finals compared to if you got that's just just me. Right. So but I'm gonna say for the argument, I do got it's close, but I'm gonna say Iverson. I wanna go Zeke, but I'm gonna definitely what, say what, Iverson. One thing that's I'm that. gonna say on Zeke, and Zeke my guy. But Mark McGuire, I mean Mark McGuire averaged twenty five points a game in Dallas before he came to yeah, Detroit. And Adrian Dantley, who he was traded for, averaged twenty five points a game. In Detroit, Joe Dumas averaged twenty. Vinny Johnson's averaged seventeen. Bill Bill Lambert averaged sixteen. He had scores all around him. He didn't have to do that. You put Iverson on there and let Joe take the take the role and just be the distributor. And now Iverson's getting them them twenty five that Adrian Danley was getting, and then you can pair him with Mark, Mark McGuire. Jordan ain't beating that shit. But keep nope. the world ahead. Okay. All right, so the final topic, because uh, we got about 12 minutes. <laughs> 12 minutes. Uh, hey, before hey, Josh hey, has, actually, before I actually got myself on. like five or 10 minutes. So I, I, I bought myself a little bit of time. Bought myself a little bit of time. The last topic we got, it shouldn't be, it's not a huge debate with this one. Um, it's basically, I'm going to. Oh, jump into it. Let's get into the I NFL. Let's jump into the football. Let's get it. Yeah, this is what Josh been waiting on. So let's go ahead into it. So this one is the Cam Newton free agency and uh, Jameis Winston signing. Those two have been like two of the biggest free, in my opinion, outside of Tom Brady going to the Bucks, two of the biggest free agents that were kind of sitting up until the draft. We kind of figured they were going to sit till the draft. 
see how everybody moves are being made, then everything was going to start falling. So Jameis Winston going to the Saints, I feel like, was a great move for him. I felt like either him going... I, the Saints actually weren't on my radar of where I thought he was Me going. Neither. I thought I thought Pittsburgh was going to be the best situation mm. for him just because of his similarities to Big mm. Ben, in my opinion. So I thought Pittsburgh and him sitting behind Ben and learning and the fact that Pittsburgh is not sold on Rudolph. They had to be sold on Rudolph last year because that was what mm. they had. But they really weren't... That wasn't their guy, for real, for real. So... I thought that would be a great situation for him to go to, to sit back, learn from Big Ben, watch, and, you know, blossom. Him going to the Saints, and now he's sitting behind the best passer in football history. Mm. It's almost like going to the Patriots and sitting and learning behind uh, uh, Tom Brady or going or Aaron Rodgers sitting behind Brett Favre and, and learning. I think even though it's a one-year deal, it's a one-year deal for them to watch him and practice, watch his every day, to see if he's that same person that was in, that they saw in her spot in Tampa Bay. If he's not, and plus at any time, we know Drew Brees is brittle. He's going down. It's, it's, his, it's his job to win, to get that long that longer contract. Look at Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy turned that shit into a starting role with Carolina, and they gave him, they, they backed the Brinks truck up. So, it's the same thing with Jameis. It's either going to a new team and them backing that Brinks truck up or the Saints because they're not sold on, t- on Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback. They are not. I don't care what none of these uh, analysts try to say. It ain't no way they are sold on Taysom Hill as their number one quarterback. Fuck no. So that's Jameis's team to win at the right time. I think I love that situation for him. Now, Cam... Uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw my post earlier, but I feel like with Cam, I think the Patriots is the best situation for him. If it's nobody to compete with, the job is his. And he's got it. But it's a couple other places that he could land and possibly be the starter. Mm-hmm. But it, it turns into that. He possibly could be the starter. Washington's a, a landing spot, but they got too many moving pieces with they still got Alex Smith. They may release him. They can. They still got him. Uh you got Haskins who the jury's still out on. Um you got the Bears. They're not sold on Foles or Trubisky, to be real. They even though they, they got that huge contract from Foles, the only thing with the Bears is Campbell will have to come in and take less money. Um but yeah. I'm going to stop because I'm going to keep going. I forgot we showed on time. So I'm going to let you guys go. Um, when it comes to the Jameis Winston thing, it's funny because we had a conversation the other day, and I know I'm, we were talking about how everybody isn't Ryan Tannehill. I think he's set up to be the next Ryan Tannehill of the next season where he has an opportunity to make good on a situation. I do believe that the Saints are sold on Taysom Hill, and I believe that's why they got somebody like Jameis Winston. So that way, in a situation where, let's say, if Breeze goes down, you still have somebody who's a veteran who can come in and, and do the game. You take away the interceptions from his last season, and he didn't really throw a bad game. He just had very bad accuracy. And like you said, you put him with the most accurate passer, that puts another veteran in the in the, in the quarterback huddle to make things work because I believe that's one of the... And, and he just had that eye surgery also to help fix all of that because he even admitted himself his vision was off. 
So with him having an eye surgery, hopefully right. that has helped. And it's a one year deal. So I mean, at this moment, I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna take over the Saints. I think he's gonna prove himself in the Saints and end up going somewhere else. Because let's face it, a lot of these quarterback signings that took place, it's not like they're gonna they're gonna be there next year. A lot of these were one year deals. Uh, when it comes to Cam. I think that the Bears is a very high and likely option because even though he would be taking less money, he's got more guaranteed years. I don't know if Belichick is sold on him when he can pick up somebody like Joe Flacco for a year for chump change because let's face it, Belichick is a quarterback whisperer. He's got a system that's been proven with multiple quarterbacks and people praise Tom Brady for going to the Bucks. But it's funny because they've never seen him in any other system, in any other system. They haven't even seen him with a weak immune system to even say that he's going to be uh, fortified in, a, in, in this team just because he's got Gronk, who also has lost weight and hasn't played for almost two years. They're, they're, they've almost become the oldest, most expensive team to be uh, to be uh, a fan of. But Brett Favre. Damn, how you really feel about Brett Favre? Brett Favre after I mean, he left Green Bay. That's, that's exactly what we're looking at. Brett I'm Favre just saying, this is just my, my 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 opinion because I've always given Belichick more credit for the legacy of New England than with Brady because he's proven it with Bledsoe. Brady is the GOAT. Just let it go, Josh. Okay. Brady is the GOAT. Hey, I'm not having that. I'm not having that debate because I'm not I'm not, not let not it go, it. Josh. Brady is the GOAT, man. Nope. We're not we're not doing all the rings. You just said the same thing for Michael Jordan. Jay. He has all the rings. Jay. Not, he has to be the GOAT. Not true. Jay, we're not doing this tonight. It's not true. But my thing is this. If he does go, if he does go to New England, I think it would be the best look. But I just don't know if that organization is bought into Cam Newton when I feel like they can they feel like they can do it. And I believe that they can do it with like I said, somebody like a Joe Flacco and try to make a trade somewhere to acquire a rookie or a young talent because that's what they do. They for some reason end up with these players or these trouble people. Like I said, it's a one-year deal. Let's say they work it out with Joe Flacco this year and then go out and pick up Teddy Bridgewater next year now that he's actually proven. So, that's... Well, I mean, Teddy has a longer contract with Carolina. His is Hold on. Not Teddy. Uh, my bad. I was talking about... Um, who to do that? Uh, James. James. Oh, my James. bad. James. Oh, James. Well, I think the Patriots are sitting because I feel like they're going to tank this year to get sunshine from, from Clemson, in my opinion. But be a big mistake. But uh, we'll, I'm going to say this in regards to Jameis Cam. I think Jameis did the right thing. Uh, learning under somebody that is polished, at least uh, more slightly more polished than Big Ben is. Uh, and two, like we always, y'all, you guys did also state, Drew Brees is injured. He can he shown signs of being injured, and you see that Teddy Bridgewater was able to get five full games last year. He got one in the previous year. So, just based off of that one uh, game, Teddy already got looks. So it just is a matter of when James is going to get his time. New Orleans has been known also to put people out as far as going up 20 or 30 or so at times, and they can even get Jameis in to get some reps right then and there. So I know Taysom Hill is definitely going to probably see the field more than him unless Drew Brees gets hurt. 
But I think Jameis ultimately did the right thing. Not to say that not learning under somebody like Mike Tomlin isn't great because Mike Tomlin, to me, is the best coach in football next to Bill Belichick. Uh, that debate any other yes, day of the week. But I'll tell you that right now, that's my opinion. And uh, I think that quarterback room in Pittsburgh is a little bit crowded. Not to say that Jameis is not better than... Uh, he's definitely better than Doug Hodges and Mason Rudolph, but that that quarterback mm-hmm. room is a little too crowded for him, and I feel that him going over to New Orleans, building his brand back up, is fine. But with Cam, Bill's got to want it. And one thing that I've done with watching football is I've always admired Bill, even when he was coaching my guys on the defense in New York, going to Cleveland and so on and so forth. Bill's a very intelligent guy. I think he is going for Trevor Lawrence. I don't think that's the smartest play in my book, but I think that he's probably going to trot Stidham out there as much as he can just to see if he can spike Brady because he can trot Cam out there and probably win 12 games, but it will mean something more if he can say, I did it with Jared Stidham. That's just my opinion. I have a question. I'm sorry. Should have been in, uh, no, Cam should have been in, uh, in LA. He should have been a charge. We're good. Who who's quarterbacking in, in uh, with the Chargers? Uh, it's Justin Herbert and uh, you said yep. who was the first yep. name? Yep, Justin Herbert from uh, Oregon. Justin Herbert, Oregon. And, got you, uh, Oregon, and Tyrod Taylor, who's going to probably lose his job like he always does because that's what Tyrod does. And <laughs> I I was so pissed. I'm not even going to hold y'all, bro. I was like the the Baker Mayfield pickup. We all knew the Browns were going to do this. I didn't think Tyrod was going to lose his job that he quick me. in Cleveland. But this is the quickest he's going to lose his job with the Chargers. I think preseason is going to it's going to be an even race. And then preseason, Justin Herbert is going to look great. And week one is going to be him. It shouldn't be. But I think week one is going to be yeah. Justin Herbert. I mean, we, we all love Tyrod. We're, we're, we're Virginia guys. So we're... He's a better back. He's a Virginia Tech guy. And I love Tyrod too, but he's a, he's just a safe pick. You just the ceiling is very visible. Correct. With Tyrod Taylor. I'm sorry. I mean he's he's my guy. Mm-hmm. But the, you know exactly where the limit is. It ain't it ain't no exceeding that shit. Yeah. Um with the Jameis pick, I think I think the Jameis pick is actually just good for him to kind of actually just stay in the background and don't get any playing time really, except for maybe come in just like Teddy Bridgewater did for like two games, two or three games, and kill it because you're going to have uh, expert coaching staff with Sean Payton, uh, even though he made some some wild clutch decisions. But, you know, for the most part, he's, he's great <laughs> at game planning anyway. And you got, you know, hella weapons, you know, with um, Kamara and uh, Michael Thomas, of course, and then uh, they added some more guys. So I think he's just good with two or three great games in the middle of the season when Drew gets hurt and then he's going to go off somewhere else to whoever else draft pick doesn't pan out. But I, I like to focus on Cam because I think an interesting spot for Cam is the Denver Broncos. Talk and about the it. Denver Broncos because Drew Locke is not that guy. Wait, 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 wait. Uh-uh. I got something to say about that. We're good. <laughs> Drew Locke to me is not that guy. Denver sold on. I'm an FC West guy. This is excuse my bias. Y'all know I'm a Raiders <laughs> fan. So I love when we played this nigga twice a year. Please bring this nigga on. 
because he did nothing. <laughs> this nigga threw the ball 37 times for less than 200 yards in two games against us. So he, he ain't moving that ball for shit. And he had Cortland Sutton. He had um, what was the other boy who um who left from there? Um, the other receiver. I can't think of his name now. The uh, this, this, the smaller cat. I think he's what I think he's what I know you're talking about. I can't, I can't think of his name. But either way, with Denver, he was not holding up his end of the bar because Denver's defense is elite as far as their corners and their ability to crush the quarterback. But they were on the field so damn much against us because he's just throwing these dick and dunks all day long and we're sitting on that shit and then they're punting that shit three and out over and over. And then we're banging our ass with uh, Josh Jacobs over and over and then hitting them over the top. So I love when fucking Drew Locke was playing. That was no fucking problem at all. Now Cam brings a different dynamic, especially now when you add Melvin Gordon to Denver. So now you can run a little re option with them. You still got Cortland Sutton who you can throw a um, throw a deep two and you drafted Jerry Judy who can take the top off the defense. Cam had Cam still got that cannon to throw that zone out there. And and you got yes, John sir. Elway to oversee the shit. To to give him that, that mentorship, to give him that that expert, that OG eye to say, hey, these are the things you need to look for because these were the shit, these were the times. Because Cam's biggest thing a lot of times is he packed the fuck out the ball. He hold that motherfucker to a nigga's wide. And I think open. a big part of that too is is he gonna stay healthy. That's another good point because think, they're running it with Philip Lindsay all the time. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna run with Melvin Gordon and and they know they got a great defense, so he doesn't have to force so many things. He ain't got to try to run for that third that third and long to try to stretch for that first down over and over now. So now he can be like, well, fuck it, I'll just throw it away because we got a great defense. We'll get field position, get it back next time on the forty, and we gonna get this bitch in the end zone next time. So I I like Denver, even though that's my division. I don't want him to go there. I think that would be awesome for them. But every other spot to me looks rough because they either have a young guy who they drafted like Miami with, with Tua. I and I was about to say that Miami might be a good place. I think but with they, Miami, they're giving, that's they, a they're giving it to the kids to Tua though. I mean, like you said, it's one year to get Tua right. I, I, I don't know. I would want exactly. I would want Tua to sit a year, <sighs> but then Cam with Cam. Hey, this, I, y'all want to know something job. crazy? What wouldn't it be interesting? If New England ended up making a trade with Miami to get Josh Rosen, and that nigga ended up coming up under Belichick, that would be interesting. He, I think now that would be that. great for him. That, that would be great he, for he's, Josh. He's Rosen. been under dysfunction since being in the NFL, so I think if any yep. anybody deserves it, somebody with his actual talent he deserves to be with somebody that can you know make the most of his talent. It's not true. Right. He's young and, it and you don't got to give up a lot to get him. And, and you, know, nope. you can easily give they'll, a fifth or a sixth. They'll four. give them a seventh rounder and they'll take that and be happy. And that's just, and that's because he also has a relationship with Flores to where they can get that kind of thing uh-huh. going on. There you go. That Belichick and, tree. Yeah, Belichick and, tree. And that's how he pimps out people. He'll steal from Detroit. When Matt Patricia needs something, he'll steal from <laughs> him too. And it's just the way that Bill works. But I'll, I'll jump right real quick back to Drew Locke. He was 4-1. And, one. and I, I, I don't care who he had. There. I mean, he didn't, and he didn't have much other than Philip Lindsay and Cortland Sutton. And I think Noah Fan. So outside of that, 
going four and one and destroying the Texans does say a lot as far as their their confidence with him. I don't think you know, he's gonna he's a game changer or anything else like that. But he did go. We want to put context in the fact that he did go four and one, and they went and got Jerry Judy for him as a result, along with making sure Melvin Gordon does more uh, help with the workload that Philip Lindsay had. And I'll say another place that nobody, I, I haven't seen anyone, even on my posts, or just in general, nobody talk about Atlanta. Atlanta's a nice place to land because how much longer are they riding? Uh, three years Atlanta? too long. They've already done it three years too long. <laughs> <laughs> it should have ended there. It should have ended there. Right. I mean, MVP, Atlanta, man. Atlanta. Give that man some credit, man. Atlanta, Atlanta until it gets to the playoffs. Also, I'm sorry, no, and, and here's the thing, but no, 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 but that's because it's Matt Ryan. On the goat, you but the goat came, came back. Oh, it wasn't just the goat. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was Bryce Harper. Twenty-eight-three. It wasn't just the goat. Go Brady came back on. I mean, that's what happened. But I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if you put Cam Newton on what Atlanta has right now, with what they have, that's a whole different team. That's a different team. With you still got Julio, you still Calvary. got uh, what's his name? The other boy they just, You got Calvin Ridley with yeah. the running game. That's a whole. Yeah. That is it, a it would whole be exciting. It, it'd be like awesome. a Michael Vick experience. Uh, a little yes, sir. Uh, a diet, yes, sir. Might, and I was going to come try but great diet, Michael. Half the calories, twice the size. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm going to say Pepsi going, Pepsi going home to Atlanta is, would be huge. But they they should have definitely uh-huh. sent Matt Ryan home about two years ago. It's over. It's over. The Matt yeah. Ryan experience. And that's the one thing I like about the Jameis thing is Jameis gets closer to home. A lot of people don't realize that with that New Orleans signing, even though it's a year, that's a year of him being a lot closer to home than he was in Tampa. He won't that far in Tampa, but he's even closer now. And I think that's what he needed because he's a home, he's a homeboy. Like I think him being And also him being able to put his uh, you know, his past behind him with that incident that happened because very much. Hello? Josh Lap. You still there, Josh? Yeah, I think his headphones Because I was gonna say as well, it, it, it's rare that the Saints get uh, somebody the caliber of Jameis Winston, the defensive player of the year last year, uh, being on the squad with those thirty interceptions, uh, just incredible. So uh, hopefully he has a lot to learn though with Drew Brees as far as being able to curb that stuff because Jameis is immensely talented. He just has to get out of his own way. Yeah, that's true. So, what do you guys think of the of uh, of the tour pickup? Because at this point, we just kind of like think, I think with tour, there, they wanted they Miami wanted to do this for a while since they saw him and they they went and evaluated him long enough. They knew that this was going to happen. They were in the perfect place, and if they weren't in the perfect place, that would have been the only time they would have made trades up. And they knew that. The, the teams in front of them were going to pick who they were going to pick. Uh, I know Cincinnati was dangling that carrot as far as saying, hey, we need to go ahead and get somebody like Tua, but then Joe Burrow emerged, and the better story is... Hey, let's go ahead hey can, y'all, can y'all hear me okay? State product, the Ohio native. All right, cool. cool. And a lot of people... Hey, he's back. 
Um, I will say the one thing about that Joe Burrow's pickup is Andy Dalton is still on the team. Andy Dalton hasn't been trained three time Pro Bowl, and let's so, show him some respect. <laughs> <He'll go ahead. laughs> nah, the crazy thing is, though, you draft Burrows. You, but I'm just saying, you draft Burrows. <laughs> at the point that at the point that Cincinnati either trades him somewhere or they cut him, now you got Cam as a free agent and you got Andy Dalton. Uh, nah. that, that slim because a lot of people are going to take coach. Dalton over I Cam. Would, I, if you a lot Dalton of Dalton yeah, Palmer 2.0 without a lot of the hurt. Go and at this point, he's getting team. older. So why would you want to put your money into uh, old? Mm-hmm. Let, 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 let's let, let's take a uh, into Paul Brown Stadium really quickly, just before we move on and look at Cincinnati. And say and look at this and just say, hey, he didn't have much to work with, and he still went to the phone ball three times. I'm sorry, man. You gotta give. I want Andy Dalton to get his respect. I mean, you gotta think about oh. it. All he had was AJ Green for years. That is it. There was no real running game. Gino, Giovanni Bernard. Uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, he was good. I liked him. I think he was. I think at that time he was a solid back for them. But AJ Green was literally all he had. He had a tight end every once in a while. But AJ Green was it. That's why AJ so frustrated with being there. And them drafting Burroughs is like, all right, cool. Now they trying to do something. They try. They putting some young, some some young talent here. But AJ was on his way out up until uh, the Burroughs thing came up. Picking number one next year. But there's 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 no doubt in my mind. Picking number one because I'm sorry, number one. Joe Burrow and T. Higgins are not changing the culture in Cincinnati. They'll definitely pick one to three. Uh, and I like T. Higgins too. That was a good pickup for them too to go along with AJ. So I think that I think these moves just help keep them hoping it keeps AJ there another but, year or two. But somebody possibly, possibly him being there long I, I until he's done. Find Cam some work, man. This is this is this is not okay. Uh, I'm gonna tell you, Cam isn't gonna find work until. It's at least going to be June, June I think Cam, July. Cam might be on the sideline if somebody gets hurt, honestly. And, it's, and I think it's because, of, like Josh was saying, his injury and people not really knowing if he healed, like, that that, that was a pretty major surgery that he had. So a lot of it is just the unknown of his injury and people right. not, it's like Carolina let him go. So what what do they know that they, that nobody well, else? I'll, I'll, what do they I'll, I'll see that nobody that. else sees? They had twenty million reasons to let him go, and so if you have twenty million reasons okay. not to pay somebody, I think you're going to go ahead and take that two million dollar dead cap hit to get rid of the other eighteen million that you don't have to pay anybody. And even though uh, the you know the the, the Dave Tepper is still notoriously cheap, um, they're not notoriously cheap, but he's still cheap. And he's going to make sure that the money he has to pay Matt Rule, all he has to give Matt Rule $63 million somehow, I'm going to go ahead and take away some of that money. So I have 20 million reasons to make sure that Cam doesn't see the field and I don't have to give him this large contract. But I do want to ask you guys a question real quick about uh, a show that I watch. I don't know why I still watch it. It infuriates me every day, but it's called Speak for Yourself. And they did bring this topic up. And my thoughts on just I want you guys' thoughts on should Cam act like a number two to get a job? No, uh, I'll, I'll go first. 
I, I don't think so. I, he's he's definitely number one. If it gets to a point, he's gonna end up like Des Bryant. Des, and I and I, I feel like that's that lane he's gonna go down. Des was so yes. hurt by Dallas, he didn't want to go nowhere else. But he thought Dallas was gonna grovel and call him, and they're about to. As, as the reports have shown, they're definitely Man. about to bring him back. But look how long it took them to bring him back because Dez only saw one thing. And I think that's him. To a certain extent, he's going to have to... It's going to get to a point. As of right now, he does Man, let me tell you something. They're not asking Philip Rivers to act like, like somebody's back up. All right, I might have so, to somebody back up. Right. And they never would. Well, when you have the complexion for the protection, you won't ever be asked to do anything like that. But that's a, that's a whole different argument. But let's be real. Phillip Rivers, and y'all might not agree, I think, if it wasn't for that O-line, and he was still doing magic with that but, O-line that he had. No, no, first off, You're right. They, was I mean, not a bad did, quarterback. They didn't try to get him killed. There's no, I'm not going to say that. Yeah, Philip Rivers is throwing that bag everywhere. We, we, I love seeing his ass too. Right Put it this now. way. I'm going to throw that bitch to our ass. This he played so bad, he retired Antonio Gates. That was just okay. fine with me. <laughs> here's the thing. You got to admit, but here's the telling the absolute truth. Those hog mollies up front were trying to get that man killed. They, they, they were trying to get him too. And I mean, now you put him on a Colts team with an O line that is good. He has a better O line with yeah, the Colts, in my opinion. But his, but that opens up what we were talking about because his deal is a one year deal. Philip probably done after this year. He maybe extended one more, but he's probably done. Now the Colts are out here looking for a quarterback. You got Jameis. You gonna have Jameis after this year? Maybe Cam after this year. The Colts is a destination uh, people aren't looking at either. So, it's two. Oh, it's a two-year? But I would say, should Cam either act like a backup? I don't don't think so. Um, Even though it's a lot of young guys that that teams are investing in early. Because everybody's everybody's enthusiastic and and excited in April and May. Like, oh, yeah, this our our young rookie, he's going to be so great. And then you're going to see in training camp and preseason in the first couple of regular season games that they ain't hitting on shit. And then some people, somebody's going to get hurt. And I think that's what Cam's going to roll right in as long as he stays in shape, which that doesn't seem like that would be a problem for him. And he just shows that he can do what he can do. I don't think he has to show that he's a back. I mean, he's a former MVP. Like, I don't, he, he doesn't have to act like I'm a backup to get a job. I just think people don't want to I mean, change their systems for him. Uh-huh. So that might be his 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 one drawback is some coaches might feel like he doesn't fit my system as a pure pocket passer. But I feel like it's going to be enough situations out there where it's going to be team desperate enough because it's always a coach with his ass on the line who's going to make a, who's going to make a decision like I yep. fuck this. I can't I can't just tank this motherfucker here and get a top draft pick because I ain't any so, I ain't gonna pick this nigga next year. It been somebody else picking this. So John, so I'm a. So John, you being a Raiders fan, right? And I don't, again, I don't know if any of you read the comments on my post about this about that that Jameis and Cam thing, but there were a couple people on there that said the Raiders is a destination. I, I wouldn't be mad at it. I mean, Mariota is, is just a, a watered down Cam, so. I, I, I wouldn't be mad at it at all. Mm. The only thing that I would 
be more impressed with Mary and uh the only reason I would lean more to Mariota is just simply youth, just because he's just younger. So if he gets it right, we're gonna keep him for longer. But I wouldn't be mad at it right now. Only reason that I wouldn't be pressed for Cam just yet is because we're not there yet. If we were one piece away, then I would say, yeah, fuck it, just go ahead and get him. Just like just like Denver did with Peyton. They just put everything just to get him for the two years. Just because they knew they was gonna get a ring eventually. But we're not there yet. If we keep building and then Derek Carr keeps failing and Mariota doesn't work out next year and then another the next year comes up. The year after that, we're still close and it's like a guy like Cam or Cam's still in that shape where he could be that final piece. Hell yeah, bring his ass home. But right now, I I think he'll just be yeah, waiting I think- time because we're not Super Bowl ready just yet anyway. So I think he'll be he'll be more so fit True. for a team like maybe the Vikings, who if you know if fucking Ooh, Kirk Cousins, you know, another, up or, another destination exactly, people are not talking up, about. Hurt or he just stopped fucking up. Cam might be a guy put him inside that fucking zone where he don't have to play outside. He can run all around that bitch, and he can just let that bitch go like Randall Cunningham back in '98. So, and let's be honest, guys. As much as we all want to, I, and I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but the Dallas Cowboys are a destination. Uh, yeah, Dallas is a yeah. Because they are not sold on deck, <laughs> and they about to franchise tag them, and that shows that shows it. But they are not sold on deck. Cam is a better version of Dak, and that situation you plug him in with that low key that might be have, Jerry's dream is that I, fucking Dak gets hurt or some shit, and he ain't got to pay him, hate, and then he can pull I, Cam out his ass I, and save the season. I hate. The Dallas Cowboys with every me being an Eagles fan, I hate the Dallas Cowboys with everything in me. But if they were to go get Cam Newton, I promise you, fo- I ain't watching football. I'm not watching yeah, football. Yeah. I don't want to see them play, and fucking, them play nobody. Um, uh, what's my boy that we gave y'all? Amari? Yeah. Oh, Amari. Amari Cooper. Was Zeke behind oh, my God. Get Cam all oh, that shit. You crazy? And that's why I said, that's why I said, and that's why I said that Atlanta situation is similar. Is that that Atlanta situation is similar with Ridley and Julio? You put him there, you put him in Dallas. Those are totally different teams. Cam is a game changer, and I think it's just the injuries is what's keeping a lot of people from bringing him in as of now. Because I don't think it's the money. Because I think Cam Cam made his money to where he can take two years and kind of like Demarcus Cousins. Yeah, like DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins had his money. He knew he was injured. He had to prove himself. He kept getting injured, but he was, he kept getting signed also. So he was cool with taking them little contracts because he already got his money. Uh, he got his money from New Orleans. He got his money from Sacramento. So he could take two or three years. Well, we're going on four now, but <laughs> he could take two or three years and, and take those price cuts. So it's the same thing with Cam. Cam might have to realize it's going to take him a couple months but it's going to get into his head that I, it's the injuries. His agents should already be telling him it's the injuries. We need to get you a video out here that we can send out to the teams with you throwing because we can't get you into practice facilities and they can't really bring you in. So let's get these workouts and send these tapes out so they can see that your arm is still good. Let's get you with one of these young elite receivers that you probably cool with or one of these receivers from Clemson Auburn, whatever, that you can throw to so they can see, no, nah, that arm is still, that I arm agree. is good. He's he's healthy and ready I to agree. go. Well, fellas, Josh had to drop out, but man, I think this was a great goddamn, excuse my bias, 
podcast comeback episode. Um, yes, sir. Don't Definitely. hold me to when we're going to do it again, uh, folks. We're going to try to keep this consistent, but we did want to do this group one first to see how you guys like it. So you already know what to do. Excuse my bias podcast, Instagram page. So you can catch me. Excuse my bias podcast on Facebook as well. Like, comment. Let us know how you like the format, what other topics you might be interested in. Until next time, this is your boy Jay Crawford. For my man Cap, Keys, and Josh, we're going to sign out. See y'all next time.